Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. One thing about living in a fallen world is that there are plenty of storms. But in today's program, we're going to see that when Jesus is in the picture, deliverance overcomes the storm. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We are going to explore the issue of storms. Everybody has storms in life. They are not a picnic, especially if they're a ferocious one. But we also know that there is God in heaven, and he has the power and he has the willingness to deal with all of life's storms. That's one of the things about faith. Faith in the living God, in Christ Jesus, his gospel, and the word are more than enough to overcome all of life's storms and to pretty much put us in the hiding place where we can flourish. In fact, Oftentimes, great enlargement and promotion is preceded by life's storms. So, our lesson is called Storm and Deliverance, and we'll be dealing with Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 34. It tells us in a couple of verses, verse 24 here of Matthew 8, and verse 25 as well. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Well, look, these are grown men, but they were absolutely petrified. And they were not strangers to the sea. They were very experienced, but they had not apparently had anything like this. I guess there's a very important way to put it all. When God is working in your life, you can be sure the devil will do a counterattack. In fact, this storm is part of the whole issue of the demoniac being delivered on Jesus's route to the place of the Gergesenes or the Gadarenes. I believe the demonic forces knew he was coming and they helped to either cause a storm or amplify an existing storm to the point that these experienced Galilean fishermen who happened to be Jesus' disciples were terrified because maybe they thought if they can't stop Jesus from coming, they will slow him down, knowing what waited for them upon his arrival. They were very much wreaking havoc in the area of the Gergesenes, which is on the eastern side of the Lake of Galilee, and now they knew that their reign of terror was going to come to an end. Try to at least slow Jesus down, even if you can't stop him. So this is what we're dealing with. There arose a great tempest in the sea. The ship was covered with waves. Jesus, 
amazingly is sleeping through it all. Is it possible to have perfect peace in the midst of life's storms? And the answer is absolutely yes. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 says that God will keep us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on him because we trust in him. If you want perfect peace, friends, come to God, stay with God, live for God. We're not talking about being religious. We're talking about connecting to the living God and walking with him, living a truly godly spiritual life that overcomes all of the obstacles and survives and thrives through all of life's storms. We're going to see that the ship is full and that there'll be a great tempest, but that Jesus knows how to calm any and all storms, and he does so in verse 26. Even when he does so, his disciples, who you would think would know him well, were only just getting to know him. They said, this guy is one of a kind. He is the master of the wind, the waves, and everything else. Then Jesus encounters two demon-possessed people in the country of the Gergesenes. This, of course, is a little different to the Gospel of Matthew and Luke that mentions only one demoniac, but as you're going to find out, this is not a problem or even a contradiction. They know who he is, the Son of God. The demons go into the swine, then the swine go into the lake, the demoniacs are delivered, but the locals are so freaked out by what they see, they beg Jesus to leave. But fortunately, that is not the end of the story. I want to read to you the entire passage from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 23 to 34. Our lesson is called Storm and Deliverance. And again, the reference is Matthew, chapter 8, verses 23 to 34. Let's listen carefully to the word of the Lord. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled, and went their ways into the city, and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coasts. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 34. 
And again, our lesson is entitled Storm and Deliverance. Well, this is a very important section, and you're seeing the power and splendor of Christ in action. A full ship, Matthew 8, 23. For those who say yes to the call of God, like the disciples of Jesus did, wisely and providentially, get into the ship and intend to follow him to the other side. Wherever he goes, we go. Now, the other side, as I said earlier, is the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. This is what we call Gentile territory. Now, normally, Jesus would not be going to such an area, but was led of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he said, I am sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, as what was told to the Syrophoenician woman. But that didn't preclude him ministering to people either who were Gentiles or in territory that was Gentile. But normally speaking, he stayed in the Jewish areas of Galilee and went to the synagogues as was his custom. It tells us in verses 24 and 25 of Matthew 8 that there was a great tempest. Basically, these fearful disciples are going to have their faith tested. But I've learned that as long as your faith is rightly directed to the living God in Christ, Yes, the test will be passed. While sailing on the lake, they knew so well a great storm comes on the sea. The ship is covered by the waves. Now, since they were heading to the other side, the east side, it was full of Gentiles, but also, in this case, also filled with demons. So it's not surprising that the forces of darkness knew Jesus was coming and could very well be the reason that their storm was caused in the first place. It was demonically inspired. Because you see, that's why the disciples were so terrified, even though they were familiar with the lake and the weather. If it were possible, they were going to try to stop the arrival of this holy boat, lest they be cast out. Now, Jesus' followers believed that they were going to perish. They were totally beside themselves with fear, even though... Jesus was right there with them. Now, there's a lesson here. As long as Jesus is in your heart, in your life, in your home, in your head, that Jesus is not just near, but here, then really, you don't have a problem. You have the solution. This is something I say repeatedly. But to be fearful and anxious with the Son of Man right there in your life is basically giving in to fear and not exercising faith. That's why there's a rebuke. When fear overrides faith, we are in trouble. When faith overrides fear, we are headed to victory. One thing I've learned, Jesus, amazingly, having a sound nap, even in the storm, was woken up by his terrified disciples. And remember, God does not promise, this is what to remember, he doesn't promise to keep you from trouble. He says in Psalm 91, verse 15, that great psalm of protection and deliverance. He says that I will not keep you from trouble, but I will be with you in trouble so I can deliver you and honor you. This is a great promise for all who believe. Well, the good result is this. Verse 26 of Matthew 8. First of all, Jesus calms the storm in his disciples' hearts. He does so with a rebuke. Why are you fearful, you of little faith? Like, 
What is your problem? I'm here. I have proven myself. I have been the fulfillment and still continue to be the fulfillment of what God has promised. I know that because of my unique personhood, it's going to take you some time to adjust to the reality. But you've seen enough so far as to give you confidence rather than calamity. So why are you fearful? Jesus really does rebuke unnecessary and unjustified doubt and unbelief. Jesus also affirms any person, Jew or Gentile, male or female, young or old, who exercises faith. So Jesus calms the storm, first of all, in the disciples' heart, and then he calms the storm outwardly. He rebukes the winds, the sea, and they become calm. Because after all, he is the master of the elements. In Matthew eight twenty seven, the disciples were still trying to process the authority that their master had, even the fact that the winds and the sea obey him. They asked the question, what manner of man is this? They've never seen anything like it, and frankly, nobody else has either. This leads us to the country of the Gergesenes and the two possessed of the devil. We believe that the Gergesenes and the Gadarenes could pretty much be the same area on the eastern side of the lake. Though these are different in name, they are similar sounding also. So the Gospels of Mark and Luke mention only one demoniac. But I don't think this is a problem because it says in Matthew that they were fierce. And really, Mark and Luke highlighted the demoniac that was fiercer than the other. It's just like anything else in life. One report can focus on two people, the other report on one person who happens to be more prominent. Now, the fact is that they were among the tombs, which is indicative of the demonic desire to be in a place of death and desolation. So, this is a most remarkable thing. In Matthew eight twenty nine, the demons cry out, What have we to do with you, Jesus, Son of God? In other words, they're demanding or pleading for Christ to leave them alone because they have nothing to do with him and they're not interfering with his ministry. But what is really astounding, they were well aware of his true, full identity, that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God, and he is the Messiah, which in Greek is Christ, the Anointed One. Now, they were aware of his identity, even though the multitudes and his disciples were less sure. The multitudes thought he was just a holy man or a prophet. The demons knew truly who Jesus was. They are also fearful that their hellish abode will come sooner rather than later. Will they be tormented before the time is their pressing question. And we have the issue of the swine in Matthew eight thirty and 31. A far way off was a herd of swine feeding. Now, since Gergesa was Gentile territory, this is not surprising. The devils pleaded with Jesus to let them go into the herd of swine. Well, guess what? Jesus gives his consent. He says, go. Now, what the Lord had in mind, we can't say for sure, except I do believe this. And you're going to see this in a moment, so hold tight. He gives his consent. They enter into the swine, the 
the legion of devils. They stir up the swine to a frenzy. They all violently run down a steep place into the lake, and they perish in the water. We understand it could have been like 2,000 swine. Why did Jesus allow this? Well, we do believe that God wants us to care for the animal kingdom, to be good stewards of this earth he created. But at the same time, we learn in another part of the Gospels that we, people, made in the image of God, are of more value than many sparrows. The deliverance and salvation of these two men was more important than even 2,000 herd of swine. Remember, in a fallen world, these things happen. But when Christ comes, not only will we be redeemed and given our glorified bodies, but even all creation will be delivered from the curse that sin has brought. Now, verse 33, the onlookers were utterly terrified because the keepers of the swine, scared out of the wits, run into the city and tell what happened to the demoniacs. Now, I think the people, far from rejoicing that these two guys were now saved, clothed, sane, and in the right minds, but they were thinking, what if Jesus comes and does that somewhere else in our city? We could lose more flocks, more herds, more everything. We will become bankrupt. It just was a bit too much for them at this point. So in Matthew eight thirty four, the entire city came to meet Jesus, not to welcome him, but to plead for his immediate departure from their territory. Perhaps they wanted to punish him for destroying their swine, or maybe came out of curiosity's sake. Other gospels suggest the reason for their inhospitality was just simple fear. We don't know what's going to happen next. We have been shaken. And we just can't handle any more. So our lesson is called this, storm and deliverance. What is our lesson for life? We live in a spiritual world. The basis of problems is spiritual. And the solution is equally spiritual. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education. And thank you for liking our page. Also go to our homepage to go and subscribe to the free monthly Issachar teaching e-letter, bringing future-ready advice to your inbox on a monthly basis with articles from the Bible, victorious Christian living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story. It's a little unsettling in some places, but what it does show us, Jesus not only is as the power and the willingness to see people set free, but he does so in a heartwarming manner. Thank you that we are of such value that your son came to this planet to ratify the gospel and give us eternal salvation through Christ's name. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.